Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, on this third Sunday of Advent, we hear for the first time of this great figure of John the Baptist. So the first two weeks of Advent, our focus has been on the prophet Isaiah, who is one of the great Advent figures. But now for the first time this season, we look at John the Baptist. It's really not possible to understand Jesus properly apart from his great precursor. It's interesting that all four Gospels compel us to come to grips with John. In a way, we can't get to Jesus properly without going through John. And his job is always the same. He points to Jesus. So he's unavoidable, that's true, but if we're staring at John, we're missing the point. He always indicates the Lord. Well, in the Gospel for today, the Baptist indicates Jesus in a most distinctive manner, and it's worth reflecting on. As the story opens, John is in prison. So he's been finally arrested by his nemesis, Herod Antipas. Remember, he was opposing Herod's marriage to his brother's uh, wife. And so he railed against him, and finally Herod had him imprisoned. So John's public ministry is over, and he's within a few days or maybe weeks of his execution. And he sends, through two of his disciples, a curious question to Jesus himself. Here it is. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Now, I say it's curious because John earlier seemed pretty definitive and clear, didn't he, in his proclamations regarding Jesus. So how come now he seems sort of confused, like, are you it or is there somebody else? Well, we can speculate. Perhaps Jesus wasn't exactly what John expected him to be. You know, John was more of a fire and brimstone, preacher of repentance. Jesus had a different theme and style. So who knows? Who knows what was prompting this question? But what's really interesting is not so much the question, but the manner in which Jesus answers him. Listen. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. That's a marvelous passage. Because down through the ages, when that question comes up, are you the one? Is, is Jesus the Messiah? This is the right answer to give. What have you seen and heard? We notice the Lord is not dealing here in abstractions. He's asking John's disciples to look and to listen to concrete events. 
in Jesus, something is happening. And again, I'm making a contrast here with, with people who are simply kind of gurus or spiritual teachers. And Jesus is, of course, a spiritual teacher. But what's really interesting about him is that he's affecting something. Remember last week, we, we, Isaiah talked about the, the Messiah is going to gird his belt. He's going to put on his, you know, his, his, his clothes for action. Well, it's born out here. Something's happening in Jesus. And moreover, what's happening is exactly what Isaiah said would happen when the Messiah comes, namely the healing and knitting back together of God's creation. The blind seeing, the lame walking, lepers being cleansed, deaf hearing, the dead being raised, God's broken and riven creation is now being knit back together by the work of the Messiah. You know, though rationalizing theologians have denied the miracles for centuries, this goes back a long time, you know, people saying, oh, the miracle, that's just a, a lot of hooey or just stories they made up, etc. I think it's massively important that Jesus was seen as a miracle worker. It was massively important for the people of his own time and for the gospel writers. He was a miracle worker and especially a physical healer. You know, if you do what Thomas Jefferson wanted and literally cut out all the passages dealing with the, the supernatural and the miraculous, I mean, you'd be left with a few little uh, shards of the New Testament. No, I mean, woven right through the Gospels, all of them, is this clear witness to Jesus as a healer, as a miracle worker. When Jesus came into a town, he indeed preached, but again and again, he also worked miracles. And I think it's perfectly fair to say that his teaching was taken with great seriousness precisely because of the healings. That's why people listened to him, because they, they thought he was a remarkable figure. So again, what Isaiah insinuated and what Jesus embodies is the great act by which the God of Israel is repairing his broken world. Now, how come he didn't cure everyone of every disease? People have posed that question for a long time. So here's Jesus, the Son of God, with all this infinite power, and he cures the, the blind and deaf and the lame. Well, okay, some of them. Uh, did he cure absolutely everybody? Uh, clearly not. You know, and the honest answer to that question is, we don't know. That's lost, I'd say, in the mystery of God's will. But here's what we can and should say, I think. That clearly in Jesus' action, tell John what you've seen and heard, right? In his concrete action, listen, the kingdom of God was beginning. The kingdom of God was breaking through. It was manifesting itself in Jesus' actions. We also can and should say that the church, which is the mystical body of Jesus up and down the ages, continues to be the means by which the kingdom of God breaks into the world, the means by which the healing power of God comes into his world. Think here, everybody, in the course of Christian history, of all the great saints who were healers, very often it's curious to me, very often when the church comes into a new area of missionary activity, 
and they're the first evangelist, very often their preaching was accompanied by the miraculous. And I think for the same reason, it gave them extraordinary credibility. And this healing ministry exists to this day. Uh, in the course of my priesthood, I've, I've known, not a lot, not a lot, but some that I think really do have this charism of healing. Again, don't believe everyone that claims to be a healer you see on TV. But I think there really are some people in the life of the church who have this special charism of continuing Jesus' work of knitting creation back together. And press it, if you want, in a somewhat less dramatic form. But in every Catholic hospital, every Catholic clinic, every, every Catholic center of healing, you have the same thing, don't you? You've got people in the name of Jesus who are affecting healing. What we saw and heard in him, we can still see and hear, can't we, in the life of the church. Okay, but I want to stress the last element in Jesus' uh, uh, description of what he was doing. He says, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. So, you know, the, the deaf hear and the blind see and the lame walk and, and the dead are raised, these extraordinary things. But the last thing he says, and very often in these lists, don't we put the most important thing last, right? He says, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. Now, what's the good news, the euangelion, the evangel, right, the gospel? In a way, it's shorthand for the whole of Jesus' work, at the heart of which is the forgiveness of sins. Through his dying and rising, Jesus deals with the greatest suffering that we have, greater than blindness, greater than deafness, greater than physical death itself. The greatest suffering we have is alienation from God. All of us are poor in the measure that we've wandered away from the source of grace and life. Do you see now why this is indeed the most important thing that he does? It's why he puts it last. The poor have the good news proclaimed to them. We're all poor in our sin, and we have proclaimed to us the good news of our salvation. This is what happens through the ministry of Jesus. It's what continues to happen up and down the century through the church and its sacraments. Okay, in light of that clarification, I think we can revisit the lists of Jesus' achievements and read them in a somewhat fresh way. The blind regain their sight. Did he de indeed heal people of physical blindness? Yes, absolutely. I'm not denying that for a second. But now, in light of that last accomplishment, the forgiveness of our sins, can we read blindness also as a classical biblical image for sin? Estranged from God, we tend to wander in the dark. We lose our way. We bump and stumble through life, right? Therefore, the forgiveness of our sins is a kind of light. It opens up the path. We know where to walk. Next, the lame walk. Did Jesus physically cure lame people? Yes, absolutely. But once we see his most essential work of forgiveness of sins, now can we read sin as a kind of limp, a kind of crippling ailment. 
We're meant to walk, but we don't move. We're meant to make progress, but we're paralyzed. And so by freeing us of sin, he allows us to walk. Then we hear the lepers are cleansed. Did he really physically cure lepers? Yes, absolutely. But disease in the Bible is often used as a symbol of sin. What compromises us, weakens us, eventually kills us, and is terribly contagious as leprosy was in biblical times, right? And so with our sins forgiven, you see, it's, it's like the curing of a form of leprosy. The deaf hear. Did he really cure deaf people of their physical ailment? Yes, yes. But in my sin, it's as though I'm, I'm spiritually deaf. I'm oblivious to the suffering and cries of those around me. I'm closed off from the voice of God. Finally, the dead are raised. Did he raise the dead physically? Yes, the daughter of Jairus and, and uh, uh, Lazarus, etc. But the ultimate symbol for sin in the Bible is death, because sin is nothing but spiritual death. Sin eats away at our vitality until we succumb. So here's the great good news, everybody. Jesus' forgiveness of our sins that proclaiming of the good news to the poor, heals us at all these levels, knits God's creation back together, restores us to life. And so, in this Advent season, as Christmas approaches, can I recommend this to all of us? Is to present our infirmities and weaknesses to the Lord. Physical, yes. But spiritual, maybe more importantly. Present our blindness, our deafness, our, our lameness, our, our spiritual death before him. And ask for his healing. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.